In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. morning Ian how are you buddy I'm good you know it's another day Chicago putting you know putting out the uh the decent weather lately I can't complain I can't complain so if you haven't checked out the show on Sunday flick back and check out that one because we went through a bit of schedule stuff but the main meat of it was all about who are the locks to get the roster so today we're back we're chatting about who are the locks to make the defensive roster so locks we're talking about people that are guaranteed near on guaranteed because no one's guaranteed fully to make that roster and then based on is their contract that big that you can't come is their talent that good that you just can't get rid of them because you know they're amazing and then who's left who's in the battle they might be have a really good shot but we'll go through it so we'll kick it off we'll jump straight in we're on the d-line so, looking at the average across the line, 9.1 um, is the average across the league. So, we feel pretty good as there's going to be nine defensive linemen. Where does that stack? For me, personally, I'm in the mindset of five on the edge and four on the interior because, hey, if I'm going to rush more on the edge, I want to burn through them and they're going to play more snaps. I want more NASCAR packages where you've got three, you've got four defensive ends on. Just before we get into the names, Ian, where do you stand on splitting that nine into four and five? I think that's a pretty good ratio considering Woods is going to be a cover one, cover three guy, which is basically a nickel package. Um, We're going to be looking at likely a three safety, two linebacker combo. Um, If not, you may look at a two linebacker, two safety, and then bring in an extra lineman, which would be another rusher inside. We want to go with a five-man front. You're not going to bring in a third tackle, I would think that, you know, so I don't see any need to keep five D tackles. So I, I fully see this being five, we'll call them edge rushers, and that'll include maybe guys that are kind of gimmicky stand-up runners, um, and then four big men in the middle. Yeah, so let, let's just look across the whole D-line. Oh, let, let's split it. Let's do the edge first. So we've got... I think d tackles pretty easy. I think there's four guys right now that are slated. Richardson, Billings, Joby, and Jordan Elliott. Those are going to be your four guys, I think. Let's start on the D-tackles D on the interior D. So locks by contract. You've got Billings, Elliott, and Sheldon Richardson, 100% all going to make it. Larry Ogunjobi's lock on talent. If you're a D-tackle you're praying for an injury else you've got no chance of making the roster and um, the best one will hopefully make the practice squad that's about it nothing really yeah. else to add there you've got zero and one techniques you've got one and three techniques game set match that's i think any i think the browns have done a good job in kind of infusing elliot in there now next year what what happens with ogan joby that's another topic for another day but yeah i think the four guys elliot ogan joby billings richardson now we're moving to the outside yep so, guys, you're pretty much looking at Sheldon Richardson playing about 60% of snaps. Um, potentially Jordan Elliott playing up to 33% just because you'll get that rotation. And you'll think, hey, that doesn't add up to 100%. That's because we're going to have some NASCAR packages with Miles Garrett at the three tech doing some crazy stuff. And then if we're looking at where do the other two stand? Hey, 
I think coming into the season, we're looking at Billings, Ogun Joby 50-50. There is no plan probably for one to start over the other. They're just going to let the best man rush because they're not just battling for snaps. They're battling for who's going to have a contract next year because the odds are neither um, that there's more chance of neither making the roster than both making the roster next year. Obviously, odds are pretty good. There's going to be one of them two. It's going to still be here. I think Billings is a guy they could look midseason to extend, but I also don't see him. He's a two-down player. I mean, he's a first and second down guy, and he's only going to be in on third and short. You know, he's not going to be in any passer. If it's third and long, Billings is going to be getting water on the sidelines. So, you know, that's the thing. You're going to have situational guys where, you know, Richardson can move outside or inside. I think, like you said, he's going to be their primary guy. But Billings is only going to be in there for the fat guy downs. That's his job. Be fat and stuff the middle. Simple. So, I think Joby and Elliot may be the rotational pass rush guys because both are one-gap penetrators. Yeah, let's jump to the uh, edge. So we've got Claiborne and Garrett, both locks based on their contract. And then we've got Vernon, who's, hey, he's got no money, so he can't be a lock-on contract, but he is a lock-on talent. Um, doesn't say he definitely makes it. They might do something crazy with Clowney. But let's say for the time being, that's three. They're locked in. Behind that, wow. What do you reckon? <laughs> so... That's this is where it gets interesting because you're right. I think Garrett and Claiborne are locked, and then I think there's a third guy. So let's call it Vernon, but that there's a third spot that with that money is a lock that's going to make the team. Whether you like you said, it's Everson Griffin, whether it's Clowney, whether it's you know, may, hell, maybe they even bring in Vinnie Curry or somebody like that. But you, there's a third guy. No, 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 no. If, if we're going to throw Vinnie Curry out there, Vinnie Curry is my dream for fourth. And he's not going to get he's not going to get Vernon money. There is some potential, and for me, hey, I'm going to bang the drum on this. I would go out there, offer Clowney the one year, trade or cut Vernon, and then go and sign Vinnie Curry as well. Give me Vinnie Curry as defensive end four, and let's have the best D line rotation the NFL's got to offer. That's a very Joe Thomas like uh, intro there for you. Um, no, and I the what I'm saying is is you have a spot that Vernon is taking that will be used by a starter, whether it's him or some other guy. I mean, realistically, if Vinnie Curry wants a one-year deal, you could bring him in here with Vernon and have Vernon, Garrett, Claiborne, and him. I have no problem with that. Um, you know, if I'm not mistaken, we had a conversation like this talking about Adrian Claiborne, and I'll check my watch. About a week later, he signed. So not throwing out some uh, bragging rights, but that was a pretty good job out of you. Um, if you could get two out of that three list, that'd be impressive. But, yeah, I definitely think that you have three spots that are locked. If they do decide to bring in, say, Vinny Curry and get rid of Vernon, could Vernon turn into two spots? It's possible. The only thing I will say is when we're talking about that fourth guy, you know, now we're talking about kind of the Chad Thomas, Porter, Gustins of the world, guys that have been there. Um, I would probably give the nod right now to Porter Gustin. I just I saw more effort out of him, you know. I think Chad Thomas probably has more talent, but he just doesn't seem to want to put it on the field. Are we on about NFL talent or uh, DJ talent? I will say he's actually a pretty good musician, so I'll give him that. If, if he was as good of a defensive end as he was a you know, beat mixer and you know, musical kind of creator, we'd be in pretty good shape. But I still think the guy has talent. I don't know if they just haven't figured out a way to push the buttons. I mean, yes, he's a third-round pick, and I know we love to crush Don, John Dorsey about that, but the guy has talent. And I don't know if it was Alonzo Highsmith who knows football. Somebody found this guy and said, this guy can play. So the question is, when the hell is he going to play? Because last year, he would show you a play where you'd be like, holy shit, nice move, nice sack. And then he'd 
disappear for half a game. And it's like, I don't know if it's consistency. I don't know if his head just needs a little examining. You know, it would be nice if you could chalk in two years ago a third-round pick out of the roster. But at this point, this is why the door for, you know, guys like George Obina, guy, friend of the show, you know, Robert McCray, these are why these guys have a shot because there's that spot there for that fifth pass rusher because right now it doesn't exist. Yeah, I, th- I think for me, if you had, if you ask me now, Paul Augustine's defensive end four based on the roster. Um, but maybe, hey, I, I slated the Chad Thomas pick, I, I always will, but he, he might actually be productive as defensive end four. Obviously, it doesn't give you much depth if you need him to start because Vernon, say, goes down and Claiborne becomes the starter and then he's the main rotational piece. But it puts you in a good spot because he might actually be quite good if, if he's sort of rushing late on, maybe when the opponent's gassed. I, I think it's unlikely, but who knows? Joe Woods De- might crack it. The Devereaux Lawrence uh, role where he comes in and dominates against the third stringers. Oh, uh, oh. He will look phenomenal in preseason and then you trade him. Yeah. So, and here's the, here's the reason that I think the Browns are tied to a lot of those DN free agents is we're talking about keeping five guys. You have three locks. That means there's two question marks. And when you look at the Chad Thomas, Porter Augustine, Robert McCray, George Obinas of the world, I don't see two preferred choices in there. You know, Obina is a young guy. He's fast off the edge, a little undersized right now. I think he told us on the show he's up to, I think, 247. So he's getting close to that 250 range. And trust me, based on the guy, he does not miss a day in the weight room. Uh, they may put him on the 12 to 15,000 calorie diet, see if they can get him into the 260s. Um, but this is where you talk about these veteran you know, guys like Claiborne that can come in and fill a role because you have two spots there that are open. Yeah, and I think having that sort of fifth edge as a really young, promising guy is a great thing. You're, you're looking for upside there, special teams and upside, because the more upside you can pack in, the better. But it's not just Vinnie Curry, just throw some other names out there that might potentially take a cheap one-year deal. Um, and I, I mean proper cheap, because at the end of the day, if they're out there now, they're probably not looking for much. You've also got Clowney and Everson Griffin. They're in the two names competing with Vernon. But potential DM4s, you've got Vinnie Curry as my favorite. But I'll throw some names out there. Ezekiel Ansar. Jabril Sheard, Mike, uh, Michael Bennett, all of them guys, it's, it's not impossible. Um, I'm not saying they're guys we should be chasing, but if you can get them on a couple of million, hey, one year, give them a go. They'll get some solid production. They're getting, say, what, 40% of snaps. They're going to produce. I don't see Michael Bennett coming in here. He's, I'm not a big fan of him anyways. Um, the only thing with Jabal Sheard is Jabal Sheard's more of a 3-4 type of outside rusher. He was obviously drafted by the Browns in the second round a number of years ago. I think Vinnie Curry is probably the guy. Ansa's one guy, if he's willing to take a development contract, I'd be fine with. You know, former uh, top 10 pick by the Lions. Guy's raw. Um, hasn't really fully developed, hence why he hasn't gotten that big deal. But coming in and all of a sudden now you're playing opposite, opposite of Garrett and Vernon and Claiborne. Now you're coming in as a kind of a fresh guy against the retired guys. It may be a good opportunity for him. I definitely think that if I'm a free agent, I'm looking at Cleveland if I'm trying to cash in on a one-year deal because you could easily mop up five, six sacks in a backup role. Oh, 100%. It makes sense to the agent. Um, you're on a solid entire D-line rotation, and it's, it's all about sacks when you're getting paid. It shouldn't be. We'll talk another day about why it's a completely pointless stat um, in terms of predicting, but um, yeah. It's one that if you can get them, go for it. So we'll flip to the linebackers. Yeah. 
To sum that up, we got five spots. Three of them are locked, so there's two openings right there. But at the end of the day, I think there's going to be five ends. So I'm going to put that in pen. Five ends, four tackles. <laughs> um, so we've got linebackers. So the average is 5.9. Um, this is one that I've been shocked over the last few years. It's not really gone down. So it's one that I've been monitoring personally um, just to talk about where we've gone. So 2016-3, we've got 5.9, 6.2, 5.8, 5.8. It's never really shrunk and I think that's mainly because they're there more for special teams but um, there's two locks based on their contract and those are Goodson and Phillips and this is going to annoy some people there is no locks by quality of talent that's not because these players are better than anyone else on the roster no one performed to a high enough level where I'm going a UDFA couldn't beat them out and that's what I mean by a um, lock by talent they've got to be so good that a UDFA could never challenge them and unfortunately, we didn't see enough from Matt Wilson or Taki Taki for me to go a UDFA who outperformed. And to get a UDFA performing that high is very, very unlikely, but it's not impossible. So the name's battling for Campen. I'm going to say there's five spots here because I think we're going to have the sort of three safety pace and that's where that's going to go. But we're looking at Joey, Davis, Grace, Harvey, Taki Taki, Wilson. I certainly think Taki Taki and Wilson are going to make it based on that list. And there's going to be one other guy but they're not locks based on their talent. They're locks based on the lack of talent on the roster. Couldn't you see, and obviously we know that Andrew Barry was involved in the 2017 draft, a little bit of the prep with the 18 draft before he went over to Philadelphia. So you got to think, he doesn't really have, and I know he said it, and he's going to be very professional about it, that it doesn't matter where you came from. But ultimately, Taki Taki and Mac Wilson were drafted for a different defensive scheme than we're going to be playing in. You know, I could realistically see a four-two-five base, you know, where at most we put a third linebacker on the field every once in a while, but you're probably looking at sub-20% of the snaps. So when you talk about a guy like Jacob Phillips, I, I just I don't think he's ready to start in the NFL as a starting linebacker, but he is ready to get out there and be a heat-seeking missile on special teams. He's 21, get out there, make some plays, and do the Steelers-Ravens model where you spend a year, year and a half on special teams before you ever touch the starting roster, which Leaves Taki Taki and Mac Wilson. Could one of them be traded? Yeah, it certainly wouldn't be impossible. Um, I don't know where each of them, maybe you'll be able to enlighten me a bit more on this. If you were looking at more of a coverage, because if we say Goodson and Phillips, they are very much your, they're there to stop the run. That is their job. They're, they're quite one dimensional. And that's not a harsh way of saying it. Phillips, in his one dimension, <laughs> has performed really, really well. But if you were, say, coverage linebacker and doing a bit more of the other stuff. Obviously, Matt Wilson was like the worst performing linebacker in the NFL, playing 20% plus snaps, according to PFF. And Taki Taki didn't play that many. If you were looking for coverage and pair that up with a uh, run-seeking missile, who do you look to most out of those two? So when I started looking at the run-heavy guys, I think obviously Matt Wilson did a lot better in playing the run that he did in, uh, in coverage. Taki Taki is more of a rusher. He's more of an outside guy. The problem is, is if you go to a four two five base, you're probably going to stack with a middle linebacker and then a will, which would be your guy on the weak side. So if you're on the defense, you're looking to a guy that would be playing to the left side of the middle linebacker. Sam would be to the right or the offense is left. So you're probably going to use a safety in that role. Now, we talked to uh, Solomon Ajayi about it. He's familiar with the 425. That's what he played at Liberty. So, you, you know, you have a guy like that. Jermaine Grace is not a guy. He's, you know, a little bit up there in age. Um, 
he's kind of floated around a lot. He's just kind of been a rotational guy. Tay Davis is the guy they brought over from the Giants. So if I'm looking at the run guys, I think Willie Harvey is an interesting one. I think I, I saw a lot out of him before he got hurt last year. Air quotes, hurt. Um, but you could see a guy like Solomon Ajayi, man. If you watch his tape, this, this kid can move. He can play. He gets sometimes a little bit lost in the wash. I think he gets a little too close to the line of scrimmage. But he's also never played with NFL D linemen. So you could, you could see a serious infusion of uh, talent into this room where all of a sudden you're looking at Mac Wilson or Sione Takitaki uh, getting traded, going Phillips, Ajayi, Harvey, and then Goodson and one of those guys. Because, like I said, I'm not 100% sure I can find a role for Takitaki. I know they've told them to start taking reps at inside and will. So they're, gonna, they're just going to try to plug and play. But you could see these amoeba defenses with maybe they do bring a third linebacker out there who kind of does like a covered safety type of role. It, it'll be interesting because you're right. None of these guys are locks for talent. I mean, yeah. even B.J. Goodson, he's not great. His contract yeah. makes him a lock. But talent-wise, I mean, he's a journeyman who's on his third team in five years, you know, did okay with the Packers, did okay with the Giants, but he's not that I'm writing home about. Yeah, and it's one where I think Taki Taki's role is possibly going to be there as that when we need a third linebacker. Um, he's gonna, he Potentially, if he can play special teams well enough, that's going to be his main focus. And then any time we want to play a third linebacker, he then slots straight in at Sam um, and he can then do really well. So I think that's probably where his role is. They obviously want to see, can he be a linebacker in our two linebacker defense? Because if you can't do that, your days are numbered here. So um, that's certainly something that, hey, they've got to run the tires on it and check. But yeah, it's, it's certainly one that no, no one feels good. And for me, they're certainly sat there. That front office is smart enough that they're looking at the free agent names because yeah. – that it's just not good enough always on paper. Here, here are your traditional inside linebackers, your bikes. Goodson, um, Harvey, Ajayi, and Phillips. All Those are your kind of quote-unquote four mics where, and not, to be fair, I don't know enough about Trayvon Young. Apologies, Mr. Uh, Mr. Young. I've not dove into your game tape. So then you have Taki Taki, Mac Wilson, Tay Davis. Um, it's kind of your outside guys. So five guys out of there. I don't think any of them should buy property in Cleveland. Yeah. Um, they're most likely it's a special teams race. Whoever does best on special teams, um, they need one to start opposite Goodson, and then the rest is just a special teams race. So it might be just mm -hmm. three linebackers they feel really good about and then two special team spots. But, yeah, it's one of them where if, Nigel, if they haven't rung Nigel Bradham's agent yet, I really want to be asking what on earth's going on in Cleveland. He's not healthy. That's the problem with Brad right now. He says not fully recovered from his injury, so he can't pass a physical. Yeah, but and he's they, a veteran. He'll wait. They at least need to have spoke to him and sort of sussed it out because if he signs, he goes straight to the top of the starting thing, and it's not even close. Yeah. Listen, I think that this is one of those ones where they may bet on the young guys, you know, keeping a guy like Phillips, Ajayi, Harvey, and the young guys. I just – I don't see how they keep six here. There's just no rhyme or reason unless one of these guys is such a special teams maven that you can't get rid of them. Um, but don't be surprised here also if they really like a young guy that he gets that early season tender hamstring hip pointer. I, I, can, feel, I can feel it coming on already. Uh, yeah, like, oh, and, and listen, I, I point to a guy like friend of show Solomon Ajayi. This is a guy who has talent. I mean, you should see this guy. He moves well, a lot of talent. 
probably just needs to, if he can get into a, you know, that role where he hits the practice squad for a year, that is perfect for a guy like him. You know, his brother obviously can show him the ropes when it comes to the NFL, but man, if he's able to come in and just kind of develop and learn, you know, he, he's going to be challenging Jacobs Phillips in a year. So, you know, I have no problem with that, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see one, if not two of these guys end up on the practice squad. Willie Harvey's kind of my sleeper out of this group. I really liked what I saw on him last year. Um, so he's the one I can see is probably going to challenge Goodson the most for that starting mic role. Yep. So if we flip to the DBs, and I'm going to cut this in half, but just because of counting numbers, we got 10. So the NFL average is 10.0, um, which generally will sit at six cornerbacks and four safeties. But there's always going to be flirting between the two positions. So we'll cut it into two, and we'll, we'll do the cornerbacks first. I still feel comfortable saying six cornerbacks will make the roster. Um, let's look at locks by contract for that position. We're looking at Kevin Johnson, Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, and then no locks by talent, um, whichever, however much it hurt me to write, because there is guys I really like in there. Um, and then we can sort of touch on the uh, names after that. So you're going to get crushed away. Denzel Ward is not a lock by talent. Denzel Ward was in there, didn't I say? Kevin Johnson, oh, thought, Ward, and Greedy. Oh, I thought you said they were contract locks, but no, no, they're contract. Well. If you're a contract lock. I got you. Okay. Sorry. I just It's a level above lock by talent. So I'm not interested. You can't be a lock by talent if you're a lock by contract. I got you. Okay. I'm just making, we'll clear that up for Browns fans so they don't come to you with burning pitchforks and knives. Hey. Um, and the article, I, I put in the front, it was literally the first line. All of these what names are alphabetical. So I don't get any jip for like ranking them in particular orders or subtle meanings. Um, but then looking at some of the names, obviously AJ Green is the UDFA star that we signed and put a load of money into. You've got my boy, um, Tavier Thomas, special teams, um, absolute torpedo. And then the biggest name in there is Terrence Mitchell, which uh, I like Terrence Mitchell, but he, according to the Browns, according to people like um, Lane Atkins, he's on the bubble for getting traded. So they're looking at that. And I'll throw it out there while we're on there. Who on earth is going to be our slot corner? We don't have one. And listen, Hiram, I know you want to argue with me about what a slot corner is versus outside. You don't hide slow guys as the slot. You're right. Here's the problem. You have a ton of boundary corners. That's the problem. You have all these outside guys. So the question is, in Joe Woods' scheme on a cover one, cover three, you need big guys on the outside. You know, Richard Sherman in Seattle, Richard Sherman in San Francisco, who played under Joe Woods, he's just under a 4'6 guy at the combine, bigger guy. That's why they go out and get guys like Donovan Alumba. That's why they go out and get these taller guys, because you're playing more of a zone scheme. A.J. Green is slow but he's big and he has ball skills. So you are able to drop him back. You want the big guys on the outside, which means that your speed, small guys go to the inside. That's Denzel Ward. That's Greedy Williams. Greedy Williams is, what is he? Six foot, 170 pounds soaking wet. So I'm going to cut this down. So you, we've got six cornerbacks. I'm going to say there's only four on the outside, one at slot and one at special teams. Does that sound about right? Yes, possibly. Working in theory. So I w- if, we, if we start by the outside, uh, uh, let, let's start. Like, there's no one in the slot. Especially I don't think team. we're going to be playing as much man. So I think that that's where you're going to start using some zone concepts. Or you may not – if they don't have a slot corner, you're not going to stick one of these guys as a man-to-man slot. 
if you read the PFF thing on uh, AJ Green, it says this guy belongs nowhere near man coverage. I think you only have one, maybe two guys that can play man, and that's Greedy and Denzel. The rest of these guys aren't man corners. So you're talking about zone schemes. So to say we're going to have, you know, four, four outside, one inside, one slot guy, I could realistically see them keeping two special teams guys, four corners that just kind of play amoeba defenses and kind of the old Asante Samuel zone coverages. Yeah. Stick them in zones. I, I still think they're going to be out there. They're going to sign a um, slot. I know it's something we've discussed on Twitter. That there's three names out there that stand out. You've got Logan Ryan, the older, more proven player. Um, didn't have a great year last year. You've got, um, I'm not even going to try the first name, Denard. Oh, Darquez Denard. Darquez Denard. What a beautiful name. Um, had a contract and then it fell through, so who knows where that's at. And then the other one, it's not a sexy name, but JV and Elliott had yeah. played really well, and that could be an option there. So I, I still think they've got to be doing something. So I wouldn't be surprised whether they sign someone in that. And then if I'm looking at sort of the four other corners, I'm looking at the, the three locks, Kevin Johnson, Ward, and Williams. And then AJ Green is, is looking really solid in there. Special teamer. I'm going to say Terry Thomas is my guy. But hey, someone else might impress this year. But for me, that, that's where the cornerback room probably sits. I would almost say that you're probably looking at, yeah, Ward, Johnson, and Greedy, for sure. I'd say Tavier Thomas, for sure, because I think Prefer loves him. Here's the one I'm, I'm telling you, Joe Woods is going to like this guy. That's Donovan Alumbo. The kid from the Cowboys that they brought over. He's big. He plays on the outside. He could be your fifth corner. The way I'm kind of looking at it is you can keep 10 guys in the secondary between your safeties and your corners. We know for a fact that Carl Joseph, Sinejo, Red Wine, and Grant Delpit are your are four locks at safety. So if you keep six corners, you're in essence going to be saying, hey, Grant Delpit can play a little slot corner or inside corner inside of a zone. So the question is, is does Grant Delpit take away from a guy like Robert Jackson or Terrence Mitchell? Because realistically, I feel like Grant Delpit and Terrence Mitchell could almost be the same player. Like, what can Grant Delpit not do that Terrence Mitchell can do? I like Terrence Mitchell. He's 28. He makes a decent bit of money, hence why I think he's naturally on the chopping block. But, you know, it could be one of those things where if you keep six corners, you keep four safeties, or you keep five corners and you keep five safeties because you have a couple safeties that can do a little bit extra. I think the fact that we trim a linebacker, it probably goes into the DB room. So I think they keep 11. So I'm looking at six corners and five safeties. Um, so that, that for me is where I go. And then you're looking at someone like JT Hassel potentially making the roster. Maybe they find another name and uh, one of the UDFAs possibly. So uh, if, they keep, if they can't find that fifth edge, because realistically, if you have five edges, four tackles, you're at nine there, five linebackers is 14. We kept 26 on offense. You can only keep 10 on defense then uh, in the secondary. So if they trim back the DNs to four and they keep eight on the D line, then you could add that six and five in the secondary because then you could go to the 24 that way. Um, otherwise, you may have to trim one of the special teams, guys. It comes down to the corners on the corners on specials and the linebackers on specials on the defensive side of the ball versus the running backs and the wide receivers on the offensive side of the ball. So Political there's going to be a special team. Yeah. So it, it could be coming down to that where, you know, if they can't get that fifth edge and they just don't like any of the guys there that they could say, you know what, just let's keep six corners and five safeties. 
It's, yeah. It really depends. Maybe they just say Taki Taki's kind of an edge guy and he morphs between those two rooms. Could certainly be the case. So uh, there's some interesting names. There's lots of, there's talent in the DB's room, but uh, we would like a little bit more. So maybe one of those names, um, maybe you go cheap and you go, look, we're going to play a three safety base, but we do want a slot in there. So let's sign an Elliot um, who is not as sexy, but has done a really good job. So um, done a good successful job. So we go on next to special teams. And you actually told me something just before we started recording the show. So I'm going to come to you first. Obviously the average is three. Every team has three. I think one team at some point did go into the season with four. Um, I think they were covering injury or couldn't decide. So uh, I think it was a kicker injury. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause I know the video went viral of uh, Jamie Gillen, the Scottish hammer uh, cracking one in from 70 yards. Um, I understand that, that a lot of people were like, Oh, well now you don't need Austin Seibert. That is incorrect. You are required by the league. I believe it's uh, in the collective bargaining agreement. You must have a dedicated long snapper. You must have a dedicated kicker and you must have a dedicated punter. You cannot, now your punter can be a backup kicker. However, you need to have three rostered in those spots. So you're talking about three specialties, no matter what. So yeah, looking at these contracts, no one's a guarantee based on that because no one's really got any guarantees. Uh, Scottish Hammer and our boy, I want to say friend of the show because uh, I love talking about him with Paul. Uh, it's Charlie Hewlett, the long snapper. Those two guys have been fantastic. Um, it was unpopular when we moved on um, from Colquitt. We brought in the Scottish Hammer. Brown's Twitter did not like that move. And what happened? He actually outperformed him. It was only by one spot on PFF's rankings last year, but uh, it, it, both are fantastic players. We said it at the time that uh, Colquitt was great and he's gone on to wonderful things. I've got us a battle for camp, but currently they haven't got anyone to battle with him. Is Austin Seibert. 30th best kicker last year, according to PFF. Wasn't good. And I wouldn't rule that out if they, they potentially go and uh, do something else because, yeah, they might feel confident that he's going to improve next year. His numbers aren't good. No, but here's the question I have for you. Remember, real friend of the show, Zane Gonzalez, struggled his first year, and then all of a sudden now he's, I believe, a Pro Bowl kicker? I think Cyber has, yeah, he, yeah, Zane Gonzalez is a good kicker. And remember, we drafted him in the seventh round. Brown's Twitter wanted to burn the world down. Listen, Cyber's a good kicker. He's got a good leg. He's just has to get a little bit more routine on his fundamentals. You know, there's a couple things that you, when you watch his misses, that he kind of has a little bit of non rhythm. He's kind of like a golfer who just has a little hitch at some point, but you don't see it often. But when you do, it kind of turns into a hook or a slice. Um, so I think Prefer really likes Cyber. I think he likes the fact that he's got that strong leg. I do love his ball trajectory. We're getting really nerdy here and talking about kicking trajectories. But I'm telling you, Cyber has a good trajectory. You're not going to see a lot of kicks that his blocked because, man, he can just get underneath it and lift it with power. Um, so I, I 100% foresee those three guys being him. Prefer's not going to mess around. You know, he brought in the competition. They're all cheap. I mean, combined, they don't even make $2.5 million, So. I love it. Love it. Spend the money elsewhere, you know. But realistically, did we settle on what we're doing in the cornerback safety room? Yeah, I think, well, there's a different schools of thought, and we spoke about they might take from another position. And to be fair, you're looking at like 50 of rounds or 48, 50 of the spots are all linked in. And then you start weighing up would you rather have the fifth edge, the fifth safety, the. Um, 
third quarterbacks. And then you just play the numbers game with that. And it comes down to like, what's the head coach and coaching staff most fancy? What do the Browns front office most love? Um, so it becomes a bit of a sort of offer you this to take that. So you're playing with small numbers. But for me, I think we definitely looked at the 10 as sort of a starting position. But I think they look to add another one. So realistically, between the two rooms, you've got Ward, Johnson, Greedy, Joseph, Sandejo, Redwine, and Delpit. Those are your kind of locks? So, yeah, locks by contract. Delpit, Johnson, Sandejo, Ward, Greedy Williams, that's five. And then you've got Kyle Joseph and Redwine. Um, take it up to eight, no, eight, seven. And then you're looking at some names, probably you'll say AJ Green, um, say you're Tevier Thomas to JT Hassels because right now of that you have three free safeties and one strong safety so the question is is you have you know Elijah Benton Montreal Meander JT Hassel Javante Moffitt and then Alumba Lewis Houston Green Jackson uh and Terrence Mitchell kind of fighting for the last three spots yeah because yeah. if they only go keep four edges because they have Miles Garrett you may end up picking up an extra one because you know remember we do have the uh you know the extra so to say practice squad spots now i made sure to clarify that so look for these young guys to maybe kind of push their way that way yeah and usually the practice squad is only going to be sort of 50 to 75 percent made up of guys that are on the roster and um, they'll be looking at other guys and they'll just grab them because they can use the practice squad to test and see oh this guy someone else let go could they be the answer so i i, I wouldn't be surprised if they're saying 12 practice squad guys that at max seven of our current roster is going to make that practice squad. Uh, the other, at least five of them are going to be on other teams at the moment because, hey, they'll want to run the tires because they've seen what these guys can do and they're on the practice squad. So they're obviously not convinced they are the real deal just yet. So run the tires on someone else and let's see what happens. There, there it is, guys. So we got 26 on offense, 24 on defense with our three specials. It, it, it's good to finally have, you know, a team where – you're looking at probably, I mean, we've, as we've go through this, you're probably looking at 10 to 12 roster spots that are really kind of up for grabs. Um, so it's one of those things where we're bringing in some, you know, young talent. We got a lot of real promising UDFAs. So realistically, you know, you're going to have 90, you're going to get that all the way down to the 53 and then realistically 65, right? So we'll have 65 on the, on a quote unquote weekly practice routine. So it, it, it's going to be a good battle. You know, you're looking at, in essence, about 22 spots between the practice squad and those last 10 spots. So, you know, I think the Browns are finally trending, at least in the positive direction. Um, do you want to give any insight on when you could expect this Miles Garrett? Because there's been a lot of headlines out there about Miles being the first $25 million pass rusher. That means that somebody's got to be talking, right? Yeah, so um, obviously Joe Bosa remains the favorite to do it just because he was drafted a year earlier. Um, Miles Garrett, I think, as I said in the article, which I wrote in February, the timeline for that is just before the season starts. And there's a few reasons for that. Um, anyway, just looking at trends, but even more special just because looking at this year. So with the pandemic, there's the risk that, hey, games are played, played behind closed doors. So if you sign that deal and do different things of where the money goes, because you might want more flexibility, because suddenly the cap might go down 20 million next year. The cap in 2021 could be 20 million less than it is this year. And when you're used to it going up sort of 10 million every year, suddenly that's something you've got to plan for. So they might do some different things. So I would say 
it's very unlikely to happen now. They're going to push it right until the last minute. I think there's still a good chance it happens before a ball snaps week one. But that might happen after preseason roster cutdown. Um, don't expect it anytime soon because there is too many unknowns in the world. What's the TV deal going to look like? Miles Garrett's side really want to know that. What's the pandemic going to look like? The GM side and front office really want to know that. So don't hold your hats and sort of be going, oh, why haven't we done it? It's not happening right yet. Give it a little while longer. And if we're starting to talk about preseason and those games, that's the time to start talking about, hey, when's this going to happen? They'll know. They've probably been talking for a while already. Um, but it will get done. It's just a when rather than a if at the moment. You think they'll by chance, because obviously you kind of have the three names, so to say, that are coming up between Ward, Baker, and Garrett. You know, Garrett being the 2017 guys, or 2017, but Najoku's in there too. And then you also have the 2018 guys. Do you think that there's a way that they could almost take the contracts and possibly front load a couple, back load a couple, try to figure out a way to maybe make it a little bit more of a linear transition between those three big deals? And you know, ultimately, is Denzel Ward a lock to get that second big contract? Crazy things have happened. At the end of the day, um, the Cowboys paid their running back and got rid of their star wide receiver. So um, to say these things don't happen, um, I think with a modern intelligent front office, they pay the cornerback over the uh, running back all day long and twice on a Sunday. Um, but do you but, pay a 5'9", 180-pound quarterback when you want to run a cover one, cover three? I think... You're looking at Njoku, you're looking at, um, you're looking at say, uh, Njoku, Ward, um, those other guys taking the first round. You're not doing it after year three. Um, and that's nothing against them. You're doing it with a quarterback if you feel confident. And that might not be Baker next year. If Baker doesn't have a 2018 season this next year, you're not paying him after this season. You're going to wait that out. If you've got Miles Garrett, you feel really good. You know what Miles Garrett is. Edge is really easy to go. You did this in college. You're likely to do that in the NFL. The, the data there. he's proved it already. Um, he's performed at a phenomenal level. So they'll feel really good about paying him. They'll happily pay him because... Well, they don't. They know that his $25 million a year contract is going to be $28 million next year. I mean, it's on the deep pedestal guardrails. Get him signed early. Joe Banner's even saying out there, if you're a player, you want to wait, even though some people don't think, seem to think that agents are going to be smart enough to figure out new caps and new contract deals where percentages will then allocate equally. You know, a lot of people forget that it's not necessarily about increasing the dollar value per year by a million or two million. It's percentage. So as the cap goes up relative to the cost of the contract that's going up. There's definitely an association that has to be made there. Yeah, the, the risk always is that if you're Miles Garrett and another incident happens on field or you get a major injury, suddenly you put off signing a $160 million deal and then suddenly you're offered nothing near that. So if you're a player and it's your first major deal, you take it. Um, and that's why both sides are really open to get it locked up. You potentially save a little bit of money by doing it if you're the team. So they'll feel really good. Obviously, if Ward comes out and has a phenomenal year, they might go, look, we've seen enough. We're happy to pay him after year three. Um, if Njoku comes out and has a phenomenal year, they might go, actually, we're happy to pay two tight ends. Um, we're going to move on a twice as expensive wide receiver to do it. Hey, why not? I've always beat the drum for um, take two top-of-the-range tight ends. It's half the, they're each half the cost of a single wide receiver. So there's options you can do there, but... Um, no, look late in the window. Is there anything else you want to add just before we wrap up? All right. This is the, the question all the people want to know. 
It's the end of the season, and Nick Chubb comes to you and says, I really want to stay in Cleveland. What is a contract that you would be comfortable giving a running back like Nick Chubb after the third year of his deal? Is there a number? Not that he's ever going to sign. and uh, yeah. it would, He, it he loves like you so much. Player. He might give you a hometown discount. You're Jack Duff, and you come and say, listen, if you want to play here, you slide a piece of paper across the table. It's got an average per year number on it. What's that number? So we look at average per year. Let's pull up the running back market. I can tell you the 10th the highest paid running back this year, Tevin Coleman, $4.8 million. Austin Eckler at six, nine point five million. I'm guessing it's not that high. It's not that high. Um, contract history. I'm just jumping. Todd in. Gurley just signed a five point five million dollar deal with bad arthritic knees. Would you be comfortable with five and a half? It was, it's not just the val- the dollar value. No, I wouldn't be comfortable with five and a half. But it's also looking at the angle of what are the guarantees. Um, if he's wanting the extension in year three. Um, if my, my guarantees have to end by the end of year five for me to be happy because I, I, that's two more years and a big question mark. He's going to at least want two to three years of guarantees. So he's looking for guarantees at least up to the end of year six, if not into year seven. Whereas, hey, I, I'm not giving that to a running back. So just the basic language of the contract he's going to be sent off with. I'm looking around that 3% mark. Um, I'm willing to overpay that high if you think he is the guy, which to be fair, well, actually not, probably two and a half percent. Howard, Jordan Howard's in there. Um, we're looking at around, that's still five million a year, which personally, I'm not paying, but to be fair, yeah, you've got to bring you it extend him after third. You already have him under that fourth year contract for his rookie deal. So if you, oh, you take it out of the a, equation, yeah. Yeah, if you're giving him a boost in five, four, five, and six, if you're basically saying we'll give you a three year extension, three years, 15 million, now he makes more in year four than he ever would have made under the rookie deal. He gets to free agency sooner. Also, you got to think uh, Kareem Hunt's going to be gone after this year. So he's going to turn into a comp pick. So you're going to need somebody in there. I wouldn't have a problem if they give him, say, three years, 15 to 18, at the end of this season to keep him around six years. That's kind of where my number is. I'm not giving him 15, 16 a year. That's just not. I will say I'm happy to go to 2% of the cap. If there is a running back you love, 2% is as high as I'm willing to go. So just to put that into perspective, Christian McCaffrey got 8%. Um, The running backs around 2% at the moment is – Latavius Murray, Rex Burkhead, Jalen Richards. Um, so it's not sexy. It's more than Kareem Hunt's getting at the moment. So you're looking at three point. You're looking at th- about three point eight, um, three point nine million a year. So that's on the current cap. Obviously, it'll go up. But uh, yeah, two percent. I'm willing to stretch my to two percent for a Nick Chubb. He's going to laugh himself out of the room. And good luck to him. Sign the yeah. biggest deal you can yeah. go find. It'll also be interesting because you got to remember, he's going to be on the free agent market at the same time um, Derrick Henry is because Derrick Henry obviously got tagged this year. So he's going to be sitting out there with a little over 10 million on the tag. So McCaffrey is an exception, I think, because he's also a wide out, which Chubb really isn't. So, you know, they're already regretting the Zeke contract, already regretting the Gurley contract. I think the market's going to correct on the running backs where I think you're going to start seeing max 6% going to these guys that are just running backs. The only way you're getting over 6%, I think, is if you're a pass catcher, too. 
Yeah, because to be fair, we saw Austin Eckler down at 3.1%. So um, mm-hmm. it's one to look at, guys. And if you're wondering where we talk about contracts, go to the over the cap. Just go up to the top on the bar. They've got other features and they've got an amazing section. It's called contract history. And what that does is that looks at contracts based on the average percentage it is against the value of the salary cap because that's the key thing and that suddenly allows you to look at a deal which was five years ago and go where does that stand against this deal and suddenly you can compare a deal like um, McCaffrey and Zeke that were a year apart the cap moved but what were the key numbers and it shows you all that and you can go back to a deal that's still rolling back in say was done in 2017 and go oh where does this stand next to that so amazing tool i'd really really recommend it it's where i go to go on my cap stuff and then sort of project what does a deal for miles garrett look like what does a deal for baker mayfield you can go look at the names down the left hand side and go right he's in this group here and that gives you the range so really really useful stuff i'd recommend going to see it but uh, that's about it for me so any questions you've got hit me up on twitter it's at jack duffin dms are open anything you want to know send it to me on there send it in dms i'll always answer it guys and thank you very much if you want my written stuff it's the dogland.com and jack and uh anthony Choki run that site brilliant guys and go check it out writing loads of great stuff but where can they go and find you ian ian 19 on twitter bring the heat let's go go browns go browns <laughs>